The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Welcome to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. Bringing you the latest from the world of sports, DFS, and gambling. With over five years of hot takes and millions of downloads later, I guess he's been doing something right. Now, sit back and listen to one of the sharpest minds in the game. Here's your host, Dwayne Callender. Hello and welcome to the show, folks. We continue our review of the NFL upcoming season with the NFC preview. And I'll be perfectly blunt, the NFC seems to be a far more straightforward case than the AFC, which usually means that we're going to get a bunch of injuries to completely change the dynamics. But I thought this was clear-cut last year. And it played true to form because I warned everyone about the Eagles. No one really seemed to buy it until it was too late. And then I was stuck having to listen to the Eagles hype train all year long that I told everyone about because of the A.J. Brown trade. I hate the Titans. I hate the Titans. I hate the Titans. I hate the Titans. But, anywho, I, I have moved on, clearly. So, without much further ado, let's start digging into the NFC, and we'll just start off with the NFC East, my division, the Beasts of the East, and yeah, the Eagles still should be the favorite to win the NFC, it's not even close, it's very frustrating, <laughs> I'll, I'll be perfectly blunt, the Eagles without question. Should be the favorite to win 11.5 total. I would take the over here. Again, unless there's injury, the Eagles run game should be near impossible to stop. They didn't change the rule. I can't believe they didn't change the scrum rule. The Eagles' illegal scrum play is still legal. I can't believe the NFL Rules Committee didn't even look at that. It's such... Oh, God. Oh, I'm just going to be tilted. Anyway, uh, without much further breakdown, I mean, if you look at it, A.J. Brown, how are teams supposed to stop him when Devonta Smith's on the other side and you still have Dallas Goddard available? And I think the Eagles' run game is actually going to be better because... As uh, productive as Miles Sanders was, when healthy, you still have a better uh, running back situation with uh, uh, Swift uh, and Rashad Penny. Now, again, uh, Swift and Penny are injury-prone, but so was Miles Sanders. And you replace him with two running backs who were better. <laughs> to, to, like, just being kind of blunt, uh, as when Miles Sanders was healthy, yeah, could be excellent running, but I think there was actually more versatility with the Eagles running backs this year versus last year, which, again, very tilting. The Eagles are the best team in the NFC, barring major injury issues. Uh, the, they're going to have a field day again with the NFC. Uh, I don't, I don't see this necessarily being that close of the division race. 
I, I know people want to talk up the Cowboys, but I don't think it's that close. Just the way I thought it wasn't that close last year. Anywho, how about them Cowboys? Ten and a half win total. I'm taking the under. Mike McCarthy is calling plays. That's all I'm going to say, folks. Mike McCarthy is calling plays. Now, on the plus side for the Cowboys, no more Ezekiel Elliott being the uh, second best running back on his own team. Now you got Tony Pollard finally getting the run as the number one running back, which is has always been my fear for the Cowboys was if they ever let Tony Pollard go. But on the flip side, Tony Pollard is coming off a major injury at the tail end of last year. So is he going to be the same Tony Pollard that we've seen in the past? Big question mark. But they also drafted Deuce Vaughn, who... I think it's going to be very productive at the college. Well, he was very productive at the college level. I think it translates into the NFL level. And I think it he kind of fits into that Darren Sproles type of mold of uh, short running back, incredible uh, quickness. Not necessarily your primary running back, but man, on some of those gadget, uh, gadget plays and uh, uh, misdirection plays, going to be a pain in the ass to deal with and pick up because if you're a linebacker, I'm telling you, when you're that low to the ground and they're doing some misdirection play, it's going to be hard to pick him up in the backfield like and see where he's going from. If you if you got a mass of bodies that he can just kind of duck down under, it's not going to be easy dealing with the Cowboys' running game. But I still think that this team relies on Dak Prescott staying healthy. And Dak has not been able to stay healthy for the majority of his career. And he's getting older. Why would we assume that Dak Prescott is going to be able to stay healthy this entire year? I I don't think it's even a remotely hot take that Trey Lance is going to see NFL action at some point this season for the Dallas Cowboys after he's traded from the 49ers. I don't. I don't think this is a. I don't think this is a stretch at the slightest. Uh, C.D. Lamb's the number one wide receiver for the Cowboys. They traded for Brandon Cooks because they realized that uh, getting rid of Amari Cooper was one of the dumbest trades of the NFL season last year, and so they're trying to make up for it now. Brandon Cooks is nowhere near on the level of Amari Cooper, but. And at least gives them a, a little bit more stability at the number two wide receiver spot as opposed to uh, using Michael Gallup. But again, they are not close to the Eagles. <laughs> like that's that is the long and short of it. They are not close to the Eagles. I don't care what anybody says. Uh, this Cowboys team, I think there's going to be some uh, growing pains, if you will, on the offense. Uh, as they shift to Mike McCarthy calling plays. I don't think people remember like how rough it looked at times for Green Bay at points d- towards the end of his tenure at Green Bay with him calling the plays. This this could be very interesting. Uh, so, as much as I didn't think Kellen Moore was that great, Mike McCarthy is a downgrade from a play-calling standpoint. So, we shall see. But moving on. We have Washington, and the name that is to be determined because Commanders apparently will be changed yet again. Joe Steisman already gave it away, so who knows what they're eventually going to get called again. The Commanders is always a terrible name, so uh, I, I, I am more than uh, good with uh, a name change inbound for Washington. But, six and a half win total. Taking the over. Sam Howell got the job uh, as QB over Jacoby Brissett. Not a shock to me. I think Howell is pretty much comparable with Daniel Jones. <laughs> I don't think that's a half take. Uh, I really don't think that's a re- remotely hot take. I-, I think Sam Howell and Daniel Jones are very much the same QB. Watching them in college, I, I think they're the same guy. So, I think Howell can develop just to be as about as 
slightly above average as Daniel Jones has. And if you look at the rosters on both the Giants and Washington, I think they very much are the <laughs> they are the Spider-Man equivalent of each other pointing meme. Uh, defensively, I think they have pass rush. Uh, they're slight edges to Washington's pass rush. The Giants have uh, slightly better overall team offensively, mainly because of Saquon. I don't think Washington necessarily gets there between Antonio Gibson and Brian uh, Wilson Jr. Uh, Brian Robinson Jr. But, um, I, I mean, at the end of the day... I think both the Giants and Washington are about eight win teams, maybe nine. And you know, I know this uh, this kind of uh, blends into certain things. I mean, Terry McLaurin, uh, I, I look as a, a true wide receiver one that basically hasn't had the quarterback play to support him. So, again, I I think Washington and the Giants are very similar teams. If you look across the board, if you average them out, I I think that's basically what they are. I think they are both around the same level. So, yeah, I I, kind of combined Washington and the Giants. But the Giants' team total is 7.5. Washington is 6.5. So, if you get where I'm coming from, Washington's the better team total to bet. Straight up. But I still think the Giants hit the over on their uh, team total as well at seven and a half. I I, I think they're both eight win teams. I, I think they start stealing games off of Dallas. The only question is, do these guys actually have it in them to make the playoffs? I don't think either one of these teams makes the playoffs. I I think, given the Giants had a very soft schedule last year. Uh I, I know people are going to look at it as a disappointment for the Giants not to make the playoffs. The Giants make the playoffs. They've massively overachieved again with uh, Brian Dable's second year. But if you look at this team, the Giants still don't have any answers to solve Philly. I think they're going 0-2 against Philly. Washington, I think, is their doppelganger. I think they split against Washington. And then if you look at the, against them against the Cowboys, I think they probably split against the Cowboys. So right off the bat, you're looking at the division and you're starting off with four losses. You know, it's not the end of the world, but it does kind of put you in an awkward spot of trying to be a playoff team. I, You know, you're going to have to win all those non-conference. To me... I think the Giants got a tough road this year. Now, can Dan- like it actually requires Daniel Jones to be a better than slightly above average QB. And I don't think Daniel Jones even remotely has the ceiling to do so. <laughs> Just to be perfectly honest, I think Daniel Jones basically hit his ceiling last year with Dayball, and they coached around him to be the best version that he could possibly be, and he parlayed that into a $40 million per year contract. Kudos to his agent. Football-wise, I don't think it makes a lick of sense, but Joe Schoen got backed into a corner by John Mara, and he had to give, uh, felt he had to give Daniel Jones that contract. I would have let him walk, but that would have been a fireable offense, uh, according to the Maras, so he had to do it. (laughs) It's like, there's one way of doing your job correctly, and there's another way of doing your job where... You have to do job preservation. Joe Schoen got uh, pushed into a job preservation mode. Same with Dayball. They had they had to give Jones the money, even though there's no way Daniel Jones even, even deserves close to that money based off of what I perceive him to be. Again, I perceive him, best case scenario, to be Ryan Tannehill at his very best. If he can get to that level. So far, he's shown glimpses of that. But even then, would you ever pay Ryan Tannehill $40 million a year? Answer is no, by the way. It's a firm no. 
The Titans paid uh, uh, Ryan Tannehill $35 million, and it blew up their entire team, and they had to trade A.J. Brown. I want people to remember that for context. I haven't even brought up the Saquon situation, that Saquon is essentially feeling as though he has to lead the Giants, but not realizing that he has no market other than the Giants and being miserable. Again, no one is faulting Daniel Jones for getting his money. It's just the fact that there's no way he deserved to get anywhere close to the money he got. So he, he could thank Jalen Hurts for that. Anywho, we are going to take a quick break. And next up, we've got the NFC North. Stay tuned, folks. Don't go anywhere. The Fantasy Throwdown Podcast will be right back after our sponsors pay the bills. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome back to the show. Hope you got your popcorn ready. Alright, we are back and it's time to dive into the NFC North. And Boy, do we have changes. I mean, I can't believe I'm saying this. The Lions are favored to win the division, and it's not crazy. It's not crazy. I don't think they're well coached. But the Lions have talent on offense and defense. The Packers are in rebuild mode. The Vikings are perennial chokers. And I didn't think they deserved half their wins last year. I honestly think the the Lions should be the favorite for this division. It's absolutely crazy. A team with Jared Goff at QB is is the favorite. I I, I don't I don't really know what else to say. It, it, it's kind of wild. Yet here we are with the Lions, technically, as the best team in the division. It's it's it it, it is strange that a team that. Opted to get David Montgomery as their primary running back. And believe me, I know they uh, drafted uh, Jahir uh, Briggs. I mean, Jahir Giggs. Gibbs. But I, I honestly think the first, uh, first back out of the gate is going to be Montgomery. And they're going to run Montgomery up the middle like 15, 20 times a game to get two to three and a half yards per carry. Like, if you watched Montgomery on the Bears, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And yet still, I, I think the Lions are the best team in that division. I, I, I don't really... I'm not, I'm not going to, like, pretend as though this is going to be, you know, uh, offensive juggernaut because I think they're going to struggle, as they did at parts last year, with running the ball consistently... Jamal Williams had a great year, but you got to remember a lot of those were in short yardage situations that, you know, again, they, 
they had these massive chunk plays throwing the ball, but intermediate uh, drives. It was it was kind of like a mixed uh, mixed bag with the Lions, but given the state of the division, I still think that they're the best team. Not that I'm saying it's going to be a runaway the way I feel the NFC East is, but I do think the Lions should be favored. I think the hype is somewhat justified given where the rest of that division is. Again, I told you guys I hated the the Vikings uh, throughout the season last year. I thought they were incredibly lucky. I don't see it being uh, (laughs) carrying over again for the Vikings this year. So I'm going to go with the Lions and the over on the win total. I I am taking the over on the nine and a half. But, uh, you know, I'm on Ross St. Brown. Uh, Looks to be the wide receiver one. I am very curious if Marvin Jones uh, ends ends up as the number two wide receiver. We know Jameson Williams is suspended for the first uh, couple of games this year due to... uh, gambling activities last year. I still don't understand how he only got a partial suspension versus kind of really getting a full year. But you know what? We're not going going down that road. We're, we are not going to go down the road of trying to figure out NFL suspensions. But, you know, while we ride this out, I think Josh Reynolds uh, is interesting in DFS formats, as is uh, Khalif Raymond. Uh, Holy Cross alum, Khalif Raymond. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's uh, it's interesting. It is uh, interesting, to say the least, that the Lions, I, I think, you know, while they have a number of question marks, and, man, I do question Dan Campbell at times. Uh, I, I don't think they're well coached, but they play hard for him. They love it. They love their coach. It, it's obvious that they love their coach. I just think their coach is kind of kind of a <laughs> we're We're just going to be nice. We're going to be nice. We're not going to be too negative. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, that, that those are for the Lions. But, uh, yeah, let, let's move on to the Packers. It is the Jordan Love era for the Packers. Seven and a half win total. I'm going to begrudgingly take the over, but, man, I want to pass. Uh, realistically, I'm not betting this. Uh, they could be an eight-win team. They could be a seven-win team. They could be a six-win team. We really don't know what to make of Jordan Love because he really has not had the opportunity to run this offense, and we don't know how good the caliber of some of the players are because Aaron Rodgers kind of did his own thing and, you know, liked the improv quite a bit. I don't know if this passing attack runs better if it's run according to how it was supposed to run the plays versus going off script the way Aaron Rodgers would sometimes. Don't know. I don't get why people are assuming that Christian Watson is the number one. We don't know. It could just as well easily be uh, uh, Romeo Dobbs, or it it could be uh, uh, Jalen Reed. Like, we do not know a lot about this Packers offense. And we know the defense ain't that great. So that's why I say this Packers team, there's a wide range of outcomes for this Packers team. There is a low floor and there is a moderately low ceiling as well. I think they can get to nine wins. They could easily have a four win season. It's not that much of a stretch saying that the Packers could only win four games this year. I And anyone who wants to say that the Packers, there's no way the Packers could, uh, could struggle that hard in this year. I don't know what you're looking at because there's a very real chance that the Packers only win four games this year. I don't think they crash and burn, but I'm not saying that it's out of the realm of possibility either. And the Bears, seven and a half win total. Ooh, this is weird because Justin Fields should be better. They've added DJ Moore. I still don't know what to make of that defense. And somehow, Chase Claypool is still on this roster. So, the Bears' offense should still be somewhat better, even though Chase Claypool is basically a walking, talking decoy. But, 7.5 win total, 
that's probably a push. Like, I think this is like an eight-win team, but seven wins, more likely. It's not exactly clear with the Bears how much better they've gotten outside of fields. I could argue that they've gotten worse on defense, and given where this division is, you know, that puts you right in the mix of things. It really kind of depends on how Green Bay looks, if they're shaky, if Minnesota gets the lucky wins that they got last year. And I will keep saying that Minnesota, that 8.5 win total is very real, and people are going to keep hitting the over. And I'm going to say Minnesota at 8.5 is a trap play. Uh, I think that is a very real chance that Minnesota team wins eight or nine games. I don't think it's a clear cut that they win ten games. So, like I said, depending on how good or bad Green Bay is, maybe Minnesota hits the eight and a half. But if you look at that Bears team, a lot of similar parts of last year, and not a ton of additions... And because of how they struggled, yeah. If the Vikings get there, it's because the Bears are way under that win total. But if the Bears do improve, and they're closer to that seven-win plateau, I, I and seven or eight-win plateau, I don't see the Vikings getting to double digits. And at eight and a half, I I think the Vikings are probably an eight-win. Like this is this is the I think the Vikings are the surprise team. That people see miss the playoffs. I, I'm not liking the Vikings. I think you're you're riding a lot on Jordan Addison being a replacement for Adam Thielen. Even though Thielen was washed, it's still useful production. I don't think KJ Osborne is a number two. And while TJ Hawkinson is very good, Kirk Cousins frequently forgets to use his tight end. So you can see a lot of situations where he's just force-feeding the ball to Justin Jefferson and turning it over. And Kirk is in a contract year, and that usually means Kirk likes to uh, throw the deep ball to get his money. Because we saw we saw how this played out the last couple of times. Like, the last time he was up for a contract extension in Minnesota, as well as uh, when he was in Washington. He is going to throw the ball up to both sides. So... For fancy purposes, not the worst thing in the world, but for real life purposes, can definitely cost you games. I'm not, I do not love this Viking situation at all. So, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be on, heavily on the underside. I know a lot of people are gonna be on the over for the Vikings. We, we will agree to disagree, and uh, I'll leave it at that. We are moving on to the NFC South, and. Man, this is going to be one of the hardest divisions to call, in my opinion. Uh, the Saints are at a 9.5 win total. I'm taking the under. Uh, it's Derek Carr. It's a Michael Thomas who may not still want to play football for the Saints and try to get himself traded, but he, you know, I... You know, I, I, I guess uh, Thomas comes if he comes back and is the number one. Then this is a clear cut Saints team that's the best in the division. It, it's uh, it's it, it's 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 very it's very hit or miss because I don't think Derek Carr is that much better than Jameis Winston. And if Alvin Kamara, you know bounces back from the suspension because he's uh, suspended for the first couple of games of the year. Jamal Williams is going to be likely the uh, um, a good a good spot for uh, early DFS season, but I don't know. This Saints team, if the defense stays where it's at, this Saints team will be close to nine, uh, nine wins. But you're asking to get to 10 wins. And the NFC South should get there. But that requires Tampa. Because I don't think they're that much better than the other teams in the NFC. So it requires one team to truly dominate the NFC South. And the NFC South has historically been the division that you get a bunch of splits randomly across the board. Between the Bucks, and Falcons and uh, Panthers... 
they could all take games off the Saints. I, I, I don't think the Saints are a clear cut better than any of these teams. Talking about the Bucks, Tom Brady is officially retired. He's going to be doing some media stuff, but realistically, uh, he's a part-time owner of the uh, Raiders, strangely. I mean, whoo, Baker Mayfield, uh, better at acting in progressive commercials than playing the actual position. I, I, I don't know. I don't, it's like Baker Mayfield has actually been, if you look at it, one of the worst deep ball throwers in the league. And I don't know how that plays into when you got Mike Evans and Chris Galvin, who benefit from having deep balls thrown to them. I don't know what to make of this Bucks team. In the uh, the wind total is six and a half. The Bucks could be one of the worst teams in the league. And I feel bad for Todd Bowles because this seems to be a no-win situation. But, you know, you play the hand that you dealt. But, man, this this seems rough, <laughs> to say the least. The, like, the Bucks ending up with Baker Mayfield, I, I don't, like, it's, I probably would have traded for Trey Lance instead of uh, uh, going with Baker as a starter. <laughs> Just look at what I saw out of the preseason out of Baker. I, I don't I don't think this Bucks offense is going to be very good. I, I do think the defense will keep them in games, but the offense, I got a lot of question marks about this Bucks team. Uh, they're going to have to prove it to me. I'm going to take the under on the 6.5 uh, win total. All right, moving on. Let's get to the Falcons. 8.5 win total. Seems high. 8.5 seems high. I am going to take the under. I don't trust Arthur Smith's play calling on this team. But... I think they probably are going to be the most consistent team week to week out of this NFC South group because they're going to run the ball. They're going to run the ball quite a bit. Bijan Robinson's going to get volume, but you know who else is going to get volume? Tyler Algier and Cordero Patterson. The Falcons were the most run-heavy team in the NFL, not named the Ravens, and I expect that to be more the case this year. Desmond Ritter uh, took over the offense down the stretch from Marcus Mariota and was pretty meh. But all things considered, he should improve. He's still going to run the ball quite a bit. I I look at this and say that Drake London and and Kyle Pitts are still trapped on this team. They should be way better than they are, but they get minimal opportunities because of how heavy heavy run oriented this offense remains i don't see that necessarily changing believe me i'm waiting for drake london and kyle pitts to get a fresh start somewhere else as i said i don't trust arthur smith as a play caller i think the falcons are too run heavy but in this division given the talent level of some of these squads the falcons are positioned to be able to win nine games I think their ceiling's 10, but they can win anywhere from 5 to uh, five to 10 games. Like, the floor is low, because we saw this quite a bit with Atlanta last year. While they were competitive, the reason why they couldn't win games is they actually ran out the clock on themselves, uh, more often than not. Like, they didn't have time to come back in games because they bled the clock so much. So, it's one of those squads where... I I can feel comfortable betting them as an underdog if the line is wider than three and a half because realistically they could lose a ton of close games and it would not even be remotely surprising. That's the long and short of it. Finally, we got the Carolina Panthers. Seven and a half win total. Woo! The plus side... They don't have a, they don't have Matt Rule coaching this team. The downside, they got Frank Wright. I don't think that's much of an upgrade. But all things considered, uh, Miles Sanders not being in uh, the Philly run offense and he's injury prone. I I will take a pass on fantasy. Adam Thielen is washed and got a contract. Don't get it. I think DJ Shark is probably the best receiver in that group. You've got Mingo, 
I mean, they got no number one receiver. Um, you got a rookie QB in Bryce Young. They're just gonna try to spread the ball around, like Hayden Hurst. I, I I don't know, like. There is nothing on this offense that even remotely sounds appealing from a fancy perspective. I think it's a bunch of average dudes at best, and it's a below-average team overall. Mm. Taking the under on a 7.5, I don't think it's that close. As I, as I told you guys, I'm not excited about the NFC as a whole. We'll take uh, one last break, and then we'll dive into the NFC West. But, uh, yeah, that NFC's out. It's going to be a free-for-all, but I don't think any of those teams are very good, to be perfectly honest. Don't go anywhere. The Fantasy Throwdown Podcast will be right back after our sponsors pay the bills. Welcome back to the show. Hope you got your popcorn ready. Right, NFC West. Let's just start off with this should be pretty much tank season for the Arizona Cardinals. They are actively tanking for Caleb Williams at, out of USC. But that's about it. <laughs> I like it. Uh, there is nothing nice to say about the Arizona Cardinals. Um, you you know, Kyler Murray is injured. I don't think he comes back at all. I know some people are saying he may come back late in the year. But if you're the Cardinals, why would you even roll out Kyler Williams if you're trying to tank? It doesn't make any sense. I think they shut him down the entire year. Now, am I going to fade him completely for best ball? No. I like I'll probably take some stabs on them like late, 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 but by and large, probably not. Uh, you know, there there's just a lot of bad players. So <laughs> like like I I don't I don't like I don't like this defense. I hate their coaching staff. Like the coach the coaching is one of the most uninspired. Shane Steichen, uh, like completely under undeserving of that gig, uh, I, I I will not I will say nothing nice about this Cardinals thing for the vast majority of the year. This might be one of the last times I talk about the Cardinals all year. Uh, James Conner, you know, here's the problem. Now he's an older player on a bad team that's tanking. Why would James Conner get a ton of work if they're trying to lose games? Doesn't make a ton of sense. You know, they could say all they want about trying to set a tone and an attitude. This team's trying to tank. And as long as it's a, a case where, you know, you're you're going to run into uh, situations that... Uh, the uh, overall, uh, the overall uh, scheme of things uh, is in that mold. It's hard to trust offensive players in that setup. I would be more keen to uh, roll out the bench guy. So, like a Trey McBride at the tight end spot over uh, Zach Ertz, uh, Greg Dorch over. Um, Rondell Moore and uh, Hollywood Brown. Uh, but that's more best ball plays. That's not like regular fancy plays. Again, this win total is three and a half. Yeah, they're, they're probably going to win three games at most all year long. They're, they're, like, there's there's really not that much else to say. This, this is a bad football team. That's all. Next up, we got the Seattle Seahawks. Nine and a half win total. I don't like the number at nine and a half, but given the division and knowing that you should have two wins against Arizona, and I think the Seahawks should be able to get two wins against the Rams, I, I think 
I think it's fair. I just wouldn't bet it, but I think I think nine and a half is a fair number. Um, I just think it's too close to really feel confident betting that number. Um, you know, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, they added. Um, uh, uh, oh God, um, blocking a, a nice nice Smith on um, uh, on the uh, Jackson Nice Smith uh, on the uh, wide receiver core side. The the offense for Seattle, I think, is better. Kenneth Walker, Zach Charbonnet at the running back spots. Um, you know Walker's going to get injured, so Charbonnet makes a ton of sense in fantasy um, as an option, especially in best ball drafts. My my thing is, you know, it's still kind of dependent on Geno. Like, Geno Smith has turned into an above-average QB given his experience. Uh, you know, the... the, the <laughs> The line that he dropped last year of "They wrote me off, but I never wrote back." Uh, I think it's an iconic line, to be honest, because that is a testament to hard work and not letting the haters. Uh, uh, and I, believe me, I've mocked Geno Smith quite a bit over his career, but he's not the same guy who's on the Jets. Let's just be perfectly blunt. Like he's he's not the same young dude that, that uh, lacked maturity. He is a seasoned pro. He knows the offense in and out, and he executes the offense and follows the game plan that they want. That's it. Like, the NFL is so much about just running the offense and running the plays the way that they're supposed to and doing it consistently. Like, it's not that Tom Brady was that much better at QB than most NFL QBs. It's just that he was the most consistent at running plays and not doing stupid shit. The NFL, a lot of this comes down to don't do stupid shit. So many teams don't know that or, like, fail to grasp that concept that, you know, it's very frustrating at times. So, Seattle, I think it's a high floor. I don't see this as a true title contender, but they play solid. And they're more talented than the Giants. To me, that means you're probably in that mix of uh, get, getting uh, further into the playoffs. So I, I, I don't hate – I don't love the 9.5 number. I don't hate it either. I, I'm kind of ambivalent to it. But I, I don't necessarily see them winning less than nine games this year. So I get I get the bet. I, I definitely get the bet. Because when you look at the division and you look at their schedule, yeah, they should win nine games. I just – I just don't know if you should be uh, laying money uh, because it, the odds makers have this as a minus, uh, minus already, like uh, to go over nine and a half. It's like, is there a ton of value there? I, I don't necessarily see it, but you know, I, I get the line. I get the line. Next up, the Rams, six and a half total. The Rams, no draft picks. Yet trying to restructure this team. The question is, if he's healthy, man, I don't know. Is Cooper Cup healthy? Like the hamstring seems to be the question that everyone has questions on. And if Cooper Cup's not healthy, do the Rams just pack it in all season? I, I don't know. There's a there's a real question that if Cooper Cup's hamstring, they can't get him healthy, and the Rams start off poorly, do they just pack it up early for the season because they will actually have draft picks next year? Because they went all in the last three years, gave up all the draft picks. They didn't have draft picks again this year. They had to restructure the team. If this team gets off to a horrible start, which they likely will, and Cooper Cup's still injured, do they shut him down early? Do they shut Stafford down early? A lot of question marks with this Rams team. I will take the under on the six and a half. Because, realistically, they could just tank. (laughs) Like, I, I, you know... I don't know. I, 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 don't, I don't know. It, 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 
I do think that Cam Akers should get volume on this squad because they got to know what they have in them. So, I think Cam Akers makes sense. I think Tyler Higby makes sense. I don't like anyone outside of Cooper Cup on the wide receiver core side. Maybe a 2-2 Atwell if it truly turns into a a, a dumpster fire and... You know, you're looking for a late round pick in, in best ball formats, but not not really seeing it from the Rams this year. This team could easily tank, uh, and I, I think you hammered the under six and a half. Because even if Cooper Cup's healthy and they still struggle, they could still shut him down. They could shut down this entire team and try to preserve because they weren't even sure Stafford was coming back this year. Stafford came back. But who's to say that they're not going to shut it down and, and, and try to talk Stafford into doing one more year with a, a healthy squad? Like, they did not want to pay some of these dudes that they had to pay last year. They came back. I, I, I don't know. This is a, this is an interesting... Um, Aaron Donald, like, is basically going to have to determine if this uh, uh, Rams team is going to be competitive or if they pack it up early. If Aaron Donald's healthy and just, like, wrecking people, the Rams defense might be able to win enough games to keep this season alive long enough to win seven, seven, eight games. I, I have a lot of question marks about the Rams offense, so I'll leave it at that. And so, finally, we have... The only team that I, I really see taking that, capable of taking down the Eagles this year in the 49ers. Is Brock Purdy going to be healthy with the elbow coming off surgery? We'll see. Christian McCaffrey, number one running back in fantasy. Should be. The best run offense uh, in the league. Should be. If uh, the... If the 49ers play it that they want to conserve McCaffrey for the playoffs, Elijah Mitchell becomes one of the best plays in the entire fantasy sphere. I'm going to say this again. I think Elijah Mitchell should be heavily drafted in best ball formats, well above some guys who are starting on teams. So, to me, in deeper leagues, where it's 14, 16 teams, Elijah Mitchell... You, you better make sure you get them on your squad. Because I do think that the Rams are going to... I mean, the 49ers are going to preserve McCaffrey. I don't think Debo Samuel is going to run as much in the regular season as he has in the past. I think they're going to try to conserve Debo and McCaffrey for the playoff run. They're going to run their offense. Don't, don't, don't sell them. Uh, don't. Uh, don't take this as me saying that they're not going to run guys the way they have in the past. They are. I just don't think they're going to do it at the same volume as they have in the past that you're more accustomed to. So to me, this is a, you know, I expect the uh, the 49ers to hit that 10.5 win total. I think they're winning 11 games, 12 games. I don't think they're winning 13, 14 games. I'll leave it at that. I, I, I think they could push for it, but I think this is going to be a case where they're not necessarily going to force feed Kittle, Debo, and McCaffrey all year long if they're already feeling in a comfortable spot. I think they're probably going to manage this so they keep everybody fresh and healthy for the stretch run. So this is one of those where I like the team bet for over, but I don't necessarily love the pieces fantasy-wise and the counting stat-wise. I think I think they'll be fine. I just don't think that the, they're going to do the ceiling potential because their focus is winning the title. So they're not – like they, they know Philly's better. They know they're the best team to beat Philly. They just got to stay healthy. So I think they do the bare minimum and just get themselves into the playoffs. I think that's how the 49ers play it overall. We shall see once the injuries start racking up if they're forced to have to play uh, a more physical style or if they can even play a less physical style than uh, what we've seen from them in the past. They may they may be stuck having to play that style, 
But I think they have enough talent that they don't necessarily have to play as much Smash Mouth as they have in the past. So that's why I say Elijah Mitchell makes a ton of sense because I think they are going to run the ball quite a bit. They just may not have to use McCaffrey as much throughout the course of the year. But when he is going to play, he is still, I think, overall numbers-wise, because with all these splits that we're seeing with teams do with running back by committee, I still think you're probably going to end up with McCaffrey as the running back one as long as he stays healthy throughout the year. That That's kind of that's kind of where I land. So that's going to do it for me. That is your uh, NFC preview. If you couldn't tell by now, I, I still think that uh, you're getting a combination of the Chiefs, Bills, or Bengals in the AFC title game. And the NFC, I think it comes down to the Eagles and 49ers. We shall see how it works out. I know it's a lot of chalk, uh, I, you know, but I think it's pretty perfunctory. Like, uh, unless you're getting major injuries, I think it's pretty straightforward as to how some of these teams are lining up. So, anyway, that's going to do it for me. I hope you guys uh, enjoyed. Can't wait for football season to get started, but uh, until next time, have a good one. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and all major outlets. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.